And a lot of people seem to be confused. Eighty-five percent, I think, of people have some type of back issue. Welcome to the Westside Barbell Podcast. Today we're with Anthony, Travis, and Lou, and today's topic is raising work capacity to increase volume. Lou, isn't raising work capacity just basically GPP trying to increase it? Uh, yes, it is, Thomas. More direct to GPP, I would say, towards a, an actual lift. Raising just GPP for the wrong subjects would be not increasing our lifts. Well, uh, how am I going to calculate volume through GPP? How does one monitor volume? Okay, well, basically, uh, volume is based off your, your lifts, and a lot of people seem to be confused, and all it is is mathematics. This is nothing but mathematics, physics, and, and biomechanics is what training weight, with weights is. Uh, if you look at a 600-pound squatter, we train with um, the average weight's 80%, which would be 480. That's, a, that's, that's pure barbell weight or a combination of band or chain and barbell weight. And so if you look at this, you just multiply 25 lifts times 480, and it's 12,000 pounds. A 700 squatter would do 13, it'd be 1320. Uh, a thousand pound squatter is pretty easy to figure out. His average training weight, because we go in a three week wave, 75, next week 80, next week 85, then we roll back to 75 and start back over. Um, but a thousand pound squatter, his middle week is 80, is 80 so it's, it would be 800 pounds, it's 20,000 pounds. And after that, um, like a 700-pound deadlifter for, well, well, if you look at it, let's cut it in half for all the, you know, the beginners out here. A 500 squatter would be doing actually half that much. Eight, uh, 80% of the five would be 10,000 pounds for 25 lifts. And, as, if you, and then after that, guys that would do the poles, they would train, you know, a 700-pound deadlift train at 560 or a, a combination of methods uh, of 560, and that's 11,200 pounds. So I've got Anthony sitting here next to me. So Anthony squats right around 1,100 and pulls over um, um, uh, 700. So his basic training weight, is, is a, uh, the volume is tremendous because it's, it's around uh, 20,600 and then 11,200 11, on top of that. That's before, and that's, that's only 20% of our training. 80% is on small exercises. And... Um, so basically, it's an 80-20 rule. Like I said, I've, I've had uh, I had an intern here who's still here. Um, do uh, he measured the heavy weights? He measured light weights. He measured track and field uh, uh, trainees, and uh, the volume was 80% small exercise, 20% uh, barbell. And I just basically call it the 80-20 rule because that's why we don't. The people that follow this, I got two guys here. I got three. People follow. Don't get hurt, right? People that don't follow it, what happens to them? They have injuries because if you don't train this way, uh, depending on your body structure, you may be putting an enormous amount of stress on one part of your body while others are getting away with not doing anything. Anthony, we're going through this right now. If, you know, if you're squat, you have a, you're just you're blessed with a huge squat, uh, 1170. Now tell them how fast you've gone from nine to. Uh, about 18 months went from nine to 1075. Okay. And so what now? Even though you're still going up, what will hold you back? And we know before it does. Low back. Low back. So we're trained. So you're doing a lot of directed low back work. A lot, yeah. Okay. And now, um, you know, Travis, you came here. Uh, you've gone up considerably too, right off the bat. You go. Tell me basically what your total. Uh, twenty-one fifteen. My total before getting here was only nineteen twenty. And and how fast you do that under you? Six months. Six months. All right, and you so you did it by doing what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Spa spatial exercises to raise work uh, work capacity to increase barbell volume. 
All right. Now, um, you know, I've always told people, I want your opinions on this, because I've said this for years, but I believe when people come here, and you two are doing the system, you know, fairly well. But once you got here, I've always believed it takes about 10 months to learn yourself, especially if our specialized equipment, uh, what you need. Do you, do you believe this? Do you believe I'm fairly close to it? Yeah, yes. right on, yeah. Okay. And then as you start to pick up, then it becomes easier and easier and easier for you. Am I correct? Yeah, you figure out what you got to do. Yeah, in other words, no wasted time. Right. Well, okay, so here's the point. So how do you, you know, everybody, oh, I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That ain't going to cut it. You know, I work out, you know, four times a week. If you want to be great, that ain't going to cut it. you got to work out about eight times a week. So if that's true, uh, on the special uh, exercises, if you would come back on a day, uh, like we'll, we'll start out upper body. Like, for instance, what would you do if you come back after? You, we all train in the morning. This, this is the morning crew I always do the podcast with. And everyone there, I mean, I've got uh, two world record holders in that group, and everyone's um, fairly well top, you know. Um, probably top five totals right now in the country. Maybe you're, maybe I'm, I'm sure you're top ten total, and every uh, Travis and everyone oh, yeah. else at least top five. Yeah, yeah. right. You Absolutely. look them up. Okay, all right. So this is for high school people. But if you're going to come back here, tell me basically, like, what would you do with bands? Well, for instance, what would you do, Anthony, with some bands? Like uh, between 100 and 300 press downs, face pulls, um, high pulls. Anything like that to get a blood flow there. In upright rows. In other words, you're upright working road, on a yeah. lot of soft tissue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, 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 you basically do the same type of stuff? Yeah, high rep, tricep extensions, upper back. I mean, all the same exercises. I may repeat myself a few times in this podcast, but I think it's necessary because I noticed the rush to do it. So when do you switch? When do you switch the exercise? Whenever you're not getting anything from it, when it becomes, you know, you don't get sore from it, you're not getting uh, um, any stimulation. Response, yeah, a response from it, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Can I ask, why why do you do such high reps for soft tissue and ligaments and tendons? Uh, because you have to have high reps because they have very low blood supply. You know, uh, ligament, basically, you know, the ligament has to sustain the same force that a muscle does, but it, in reality, they can't sustain the same force. And that's why you have ruptures of the tendons and so forth. So everyone now, even Doctor Sip and, uh, and geniuses, uh, Tom, you know this. You know you're well read and you you do all the education stuff here. No one ever thought about training soft tissue, obviously, and I don't know why. I'm sure there's people. I'm not saying we came up with it because I, I know I got this basically. The Russians said you have to do 50 to 70 reps a set to train soft tissue. That's why I've always done it. So I'm kind of amazed that people don't do this. Um, and a lot of people, they'll scorn at what we do, but they're the ones that's injured. I meet them all the time. When's your next meet? Can't go because I'm injured. You know, we don't, we're not injured. We don't get injured. I mean, basically, you're lucky to be sore more than a day, right? Yeah. 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 You know, a part of restoration is switching exercises. By switching exercises, it causes restoration. You don't get sore. You know, you ever uh, come into the gym years ago and you was a kid and you squatted and you're real sore? So you go over and do a few leg press or a couple of just deep knee bends. Soreness is gone. You're out to work them out. Okay. Hey, let's move on. You know, me, myself, I always use either, you know, dumbbells or barbell or push-ups or uh, stuff like this. So what, you, I know you guys come in and what do you, tell me what you do with dumbbells. You come back here for a second workout. A lot of high rep uh, lateral raises, front, rear, side delts. Um, I do, I've done a lot of that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know one pre one press I got you to do is an experiment and it pushed your bench way up. What was it? 
Uh, the, with the camber bar? No, dumbbells. Oh, uh, the dumbbell extensions. On uh, decline? On the decline, incline. I mean, many different variations with those, but any type, a lot of extensions, a tremendous amount. For high and, reps? For high reps. Now, um, I know you said that, um, you know, your bits have come up, your raw bits have come up quite a bit since you've been here, too. So give me a couple of things that you do. Uh, a lot of bamboo bar stuff and a ton of upper back pull-aparts. Mm. Um, JM press, too, has been really big. And then, like, work with light weights on a bench press for a secondary workout for high reps. So you keep the – so in other words, the intensity <clears throat> is low, but the volume is very high. Really high, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know a couple of things I like to do. I used to come in, and I, I had – I've even had guys more success than me. But I, every workout day, I would come in and do two sets of 25 and 225. One close grip, one wide grip. And my friend Gino Carter years ago, you know, before shirts, he had a 407 bench. Uh, he did this four times a week. Even on bench day, first thing you do, load up two and a quarter and do it, right? And he went from um, he went to, to about 435 to 462 in two meets. So he moved right up really quick, you know. I mean, it put 60 pounds, basically right at 60 pounds on his bench in, in about eight months. We went to two different meets. Another thing, I love push-ups. I love heavy push-ups. I know, uh, uh, you know, trying to get you guys to do a lot more of them. What does a push-up do? To do a push-up, you have to push yourself away from the bar. If you never learn how to push yourself, a barbell away from you, you'll never utilize your back muscles. I used to train with a kid, uh, you know, 198, nice caliber bodybuilder, had lats like you wouldn't believe. Every time you take the bar out, they'd bench, the weights would shake. You knew he was not engaging his lats. Just because you've got muscles doesn't mean that you know how to use muscles. So you got to learn how to do it. And that's why I'm a firm believer in taking on. I watch everybody in the gym. I miss the things I got to say, you know. Put wrist straps on with 135. I never wore wrist straps. And, uh, but to put wrist, and take a hand out. If you don't take bars out yourself, you'll never learn how to engage your lats into your bench press. You know, I took all my weights out. So... I mean, every single one of them, except when I go to meet where when the shirts came along and the shirts. In a meet, I benched 496, and I took it out myself. Okay? Took it out myself. <laughs> so I avoided handouts because most of them are bad handouts. Um, but I like push-ups, and like I said, I like to, to set some stuff. And also, um, I got this. Some, a lot of my bench press training comes from East German shoppers. I used to talk to uh, a biomechanics expert from, the old, from old East Germany. And, I, and he showed me he showed me a program. And what they would do, they would do dumbbells four times a week. All right? Every time they would come in, uh, every other day, you know, they come in every other day, it was incline dumbbells, decline dumbbells, seated dumbbells. Um, what's left? Incline, decline, seated, flat. Uh, whatever rotation it was, they rotated. All right? And, I mean, that was just extra work for them. I built a base. And now, you, you watched uh, our shut putter. 74-foot shot putter. What, happened? what did he do and how did him do this? He comes in every every workout and does a, a series of uh, The first thing he does every day, picks up dumbbells to do them. Pick up a dumbbell that, you know, don't work, work your way up. You have to pick up a dumbbell. You can do cold for a couple sets of 20. The the Germans did uh, uh, um, four sets because, you know, we uh, bench press and all this after that. I, I always suggested two. So between two and four sets, whatever you can handle. Okay. Again, see, this raises your volume. If you could use 100-pound dumbbells, all right, now that's 200 pounds of a set, a lift, and you do 20, you know, add this up, add this volume up, 40 reps with 200 pounds. That's work you're never doing, you know? But what, when you, 
Yeah, Tom. Um, by doing all this extra work too, isn't this helping the muscles to teach them their purpose, how to contract? Exactly. On top of that. Yeah, you know, when you do repetition to failure, we go to near failure. Um, a, a repetition of failure works, but the only reps that work are the very end reps. Once you totally get fatigued, the very end reps. You know, right now you guys are doing 50 and 60 reps in reverse hyper. It's a bitch, isn't it? Yes. What reps are the hardest? The like, last ones, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even end. for me at 35, it's <laughs> agony. And you yeah. got to shut your mind off and do get up to 60. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did early this morning, you know, when I come in here this morning at 5 o'clock with the with the 5 o'clock crew. And uh, do my reverse hybrids like a good boy. <laughs> and, okay. So, um, you can, think, can you think of anything else? But but I want to remember, when you do, just pick one of these dumbbells or a band bar or push-ups or two sets of bench press, one wide, one close. But you, you, you want to do it until you come in and say, gee, I don't want to do it or I'm not getting any stimulation and move. You get very, very smart when you know when to move. You don't ever waste the workout. You know, it took me years to train, but I never had. How many people on this podcast have bad workouts? I'll bet you a lot. I got smarter than the weights eventually. I never had a bad workout. I knew how to steer around a bad workout. All right? I wasn't going to pulverize my brain and go home in a bad mood. I was going to figure out how to kick the weights his ass. I didn't want him to kick my ass. And when I, when I finally figured that one out, but I've had a lot of help along the way. Years ago, you know, back early west side, Gary Sanger, he's actually the head of the economics department at LSU today. Uh, we would sit down and figure everyone's training out, including his and mine. What do we need? What did Matt Dimmel need to break the world record in a squat? What did Doug Heath need to get our first world record in a bench? We figured this out, basically made him do it, and the uh, end result was world records. So, I mean, we've had world records since the mid-'80s here. We've never been without. Um, any more? Uh, you guys got any more thing on... Um, you know, um, I've got a, a yeah. question for you. Sure. So you're talking about Doug Heath and Matt Dimmel, everything back in the day. So before you landed at the 80-20 rule, I'd just like to oh. know, what what did you do that was wrong to where you go, we're just doing too much? What made you come, okay, we're going to do more accessories, 20% for the compound? So the biggest thing time we did years ago, and the, the major thing in 19, I trained wrong for 12 years. And in 1982, the very end of 81 or beginning of 82, I started doing all the Soviet method stuff. And I read about the, the pendulum wave because we would work up. We used block periodization, Western periodization, 10 reps and a work our way up. All those reps is a total waste of time. And you got to realize what is, it, what is the definition of Western periodization? As, as the intensity goes up, volume goes down. Mm -hmm. Try getting in a, a, a professional fight like that. Get a harder punch, but you can only fight two rounds. You're dead. You're dead. Yeah. So um, that's that was the whole problem back in. And what would happen is we'd do a lot of rack pulls. Uh, you know, we'd work up. You know, I got a, a set weight. We'll say like 700 on a pin. Next week, 720. Next week, 740. Next week, I couldn't even get 700 on the fourth week. Go, what the hell? Then I started reading. Uh, if you handle weights at 90% or above for three weeks in a row, you will go backwards. This is the, uh, the same exercise. This is called the law of accommodation and it's a true thing and i've and even in my gym i've got it stamped on some of my people's heads stamped on their heads come to my gym and i got visitors come here and they'll tell me what they're doing wrong i go all right you know you're right all right so you can never do that because ben tabash like a tremendous sprint coach from the old soviet union who came to america and got famous 
um, said to adapt to training is never to adapt. You can't fully adapt to anything. Because if you do, you have the law of accommodation waiting on you. All right, that was the key, Tom. Uh, The pendulum wave where I didn't get caught up. And I would go in and every workout on max effort was a record. record. Uh, Guys, um, I mean, I I say it's it's over 90, close to 95. You are in the gym. You're watching him. He's watching you. And you guys are always competing. Do you not break a record every freaking time on max every day? Every time. So yours is, I mean, it's basically 100%. Yeah. Am I every, right? Every single time I'm in And most everybody else in the gym. Yep. Okay. So now think about this, uh, podcast listeners. You know, we're breaking a record, a max record, every Monday for the a squat or dead or a good morning, and every Wednesday for the bench press. We break a record every, you know, strength. We increase our strength positively every day. How are you going to beat us when you're doing it right before a contest once every 10 or 12 months, 12 weeks? It's impossible. That's what we did. Years ago, Western periodization is a different study time. But I would come off of me. You know, there was no gear, two-hour win. And I would make lifts. I'm going, you know, man, I had 50 pounds in me. And the next meet, I could barely get my openers. Or so, you know, so you never knew. It was the most unpredictable thing I'd ever done because I the volume fell out the bottom, but I wasn't smart enough to figure it out. You know, so now everything we do is positive training. Um, one day is for acceleration. On the speed day, the dynamic day, for us, uh, we use speed strength weights, 75 to 85%. I base this off the management training of the weightlifter of 780 examples, and they have thousands. Um, that's where they trained. The majority, 50% of their training was between those numbers. If you read about the Chinese, their average squat weights and so forth is 80%, exactly like ours. It's not a coincidence. It's the way, it's the way that has to be done. And on Max Separate, we break... We go in and you select a, a different weight each week, a different exercise, and you break a record. You guys, I mean, you've yet to miss, basically, right? And you've been here how long? Yeah. I haven't missed a squat in the gym since I've been here, basically. There you go. And you're talking 18 months, 16, yeah. 18 months. One, yes. thing, one thing that I've noticed outside of powerlifting all the athletes is that they all break records, but you're setting them up for psychological success in their sports. So as soon as they leave the gym, they go in the ring, they go on the field, They've already won, so uh, that itself has set them up hugely. They're used to winning. Yeah, exactly. I know a hundred people are used to losing in the gym. Yeah, which is they terrible. are used to it. Well, see, and, and and that's where when it comes to Max Epper, people fuck up on is that you should go up and should always save something in the tank, the optimal. But when they work up and they they don't uh, they max out and then they fail, well, you failed. So you already have failure in your head. And then you go on the field, you got failure in your head because it's in the gym. Everything carries on to each other. I've got a couple of people like this today. They want to be world champions in the gym when you got to be a world champion at the contest. And um, years ago, I had a couple of guys, I won't mention who he was, very successful, won all kind of major meets. But he, he would always miss his last lift. And he'd go, Lou, what's wrong? Well, how can I fix this? I said, easy. Don't take that last lift. He'd break a record and want to do another one. He'd always greedy. Break another one. You try to break another miss and then go home in a bad mood. I said, all you got to do is don't take that last lift. So, and, you know, and a, a couple things. Can you tell me the difference between a training max and a contest max? Articulately, probably. <laughs> oh, well, Tom, you want to explain? Yeah. So, uh, a training max is where you're at the gym. You're not going to turn up the music. You're going to keep your psychological state 
uh, at a medium pace. So you're not using salt? No, nothing. So you save everything for the meat. So a competition max is when you crank that music up, you use your smelling salts, and you flip that switch. Because you don't want to flip the switch in training all the time because you burn out your adrenals, and you just can't keep doing it because what's next? If you burn yourself out in training, what are you going to do with the meat? you got nothing to flip. Okay. Okay, boys. Yeah, makes, makes yeah, you're not guilty of this. You two are not guilty, but we have people who are guilty of this. Yeah. You cannot do that. You just cannot do that. You know, and um, and just remember, anyhow, strength's measured in time. It's not measured in weight. That's why um, I've always suggest, I just wrote an article about maximum effort, and I and I talked about one thing I tried to strive to do. I did a real low box squat with no gear, with the hardest bar I've ever ever had, and you know I made five thirty five of that bar and squat easy nine. And I did, um, well, 555, I did 920. And that was the second best squat in the country. Only Eddie Cohn could out-squat me to give you an idea, okay? I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. But then my other workouts are rack pins with 760 or, you know, uh, monstrously heavy weights. So so one weight would be very low, but it'd take me an enormous amount of time to complete the lift. Time under tension, longer than it would to squat the 920. Then the other, so I go from a 535 weight to a 760 weight, see? It, 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 if you can figure out how to fluctuate the amount of weights. Now, I want you to, because I'm, I'm here to, it's kind of a classroom thing for you too, okay? And you're doing, you guys are doing a great job. But always look in the gym where you see failure. Every weight's approximately the same. So you're, you can't have that. Because you're going to move the bar through your, uh, um, your po forced posture curves at the same rate of speed. You want to change it. You want something new all the time, see? Your brain's got to figure it out. Okay? Yeah. You know, right now I'm watching the, um, you know, the wrestling tournament, you know, the NCAAs. Mm -hmm. Hey, these guys are all good, all similar, but not that similar because the guy's got an awkward style. Uh, he, he makes it tough on a very good wrestler. So, see, just by small, uh, altering, you know, uh, your opponent, which for us is mostly the barbell, Tom's got to do the same thing with fighters and sparring. Mm -hmm. If you get used to the same guy, he's never going to get any better. So you got to alter things. You, you understand what I'm saying? You got to strain for five seconds. Next thing, it might take you only two seconds. Okay? So range of motion, a forced posture curve. We've actually changed it over the years by using bands. See, because I know this is off the subject, but you only got one squat record. Am I right? How many max effort records do you have? Uh, approximately. Over 20, Over 20. You know, so when you break them, you're actually putting out a greater force than it takes you to squat your 1075. Now a person who doesn't do this type of, this is a conjugate system, part of it. They're only using one thing. So how in the hell can they compete? They can't. You know? By volume, no one has ever come close to lifting the weights this gym has. 26 over 8, 4 over 9 in the deadlift. No one's got a gym like that. Oh, here. You know, the squat's the same thing. 26 over a grand and I think I've had six world record holders in the squat, six in the bench, not just one guy. You know, your gym is only as strong as your weakest guy. If I'm going to attack your castle, I'm, I'm attacking your worst soldier, not your best soldier. Well, that's one thing, too, by doing, um, well, changing up your volume, changing your bars, is that if, if you're choosing your exercise correctly, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for an advantage. To carry over so you want to stick at the stuff that you're bad at so you become good at it and there's no way if, if your safety squat bar that old school one if you get strong at that there is no way that you're not going to get stronger at a regular squat bar and all those bars change your force posture curve mm -hmm. 
See, if you use the same bar all the time, you've got the same posture curve, which will in turn, uh, you will develop the same mini-max or sticking point. That's called groove training. You that's right. Groove. Yeah. All right. So that's why, you know, that's why it's very important to do what we do. Um, are we doing okay on up, upper body? Okay, if you guys come in, you know, after a big workout, uh, like today, you know, um, like tonight, what would you guys do um, extra workouts tonight? And I, I refer to this most as single joint training. You're going to do exercise that work to single joint. <coughs> I mean, you know. Definitely reverse hypers, like uh, high rep reverse hypers, like back raises, um, anything in the belt squat, like just because it's restorative, you know, it, like it's it's therapeutic. It tractions me out, mm -hmm. tractions my hips. So. Like the reverse hyper. Reverse hyper, same way, yeah. Yeah. I know we do enormous amount of work in the reverse hyper in the belt squat. Um, Tom's getting a device in here to find out exactly how much. And we're going to try to find out, you know, how much work we're actually doing in these belt squats from reverse hypers. Hypers, is, I guess it's easy to add. Oh, you know, if you, but, you know, to find out how much work, we're going to have to realize the distance that we're working in. Did, did you ever have, I mean, out of all the machines, everything here is a huge carryover, but I don't think anything has a stronger impact to performance in the reverse hyper on the volume of that. And, like, why, why is that? Uh, basically because in our sport, everything's based around the lower back, hamstrings, and glutes. You know, the uh, hip flexion comes from the hamstring tying into the glute. You know, a lot of people only work on, on knee extension. But you ha but because we box squat, everything is driven down into the ground instead of the, the feet, you know, pushing yourself up. All right? And, you know, when you, you, when, because also on a box, you sit on a box, you have deformation of your glutes, hamstrings, and hips. You're sitting on a box, you got a lot more area just on, a, on your feet. You ever notice box squatters, I mean, you got enormous legs, you got... But most box squatters, they don't have that big around the knees. They're not very big, but up in the hips, they're enormous. I was actually 27 and a half, and I mean, I'm a little guy. But I was 27 and a half up in my crotch, you know, up in my performance. And the bottom, about 19. <laughs> but you don't need it because that's not what stands up. When a good squatter stands up, the only thing it moves on camera is the hip. The knees shouldn't move, and the back shouldn't move. So, so you guys, you basically specialize in all these exercises. And you push up the volume as, as high as possible. Like how much, um, you know, I tell people like you definitely, you need at least six, you know, 60,000 pounds of reverse hypers. Yeah. Those sets of 50 with the heavy weights have been really helpful. You can like, you can feel it working. You know, I felt stronger squatting. And see, and also they get easier and easier, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, you, you can know, add weight to it pretty quickly. And a lot of people ask me why I went up. Well, years ago I had some girls here so I can, you know, get them to do pretty much anything with a couple bottles of wine. So I told them to take their hypers up to 30, and they got a lot stronger. So then I got the guys to take them up to 20, you know, and, and, and they made improvement. I, but generally, your lower back is a lot of ligaments and tendons. If you hurt your lower back, it never gets black or blue. You just hurt your lower back. You tear a hamstring or a, a quad or a, it bleeds. Your lower back doesn't because it doesn't have very low blood supply. Years ago, when I came up, all you can do is train your lower back every other week or something like that. That was the biggest mistake in the world. If you look at migrant workers, they work their lower back every day, and they don't have back problems. And they're bending over, picking up fruit, whatever the hell they pick up, you know, I don't know, peanuts, whatever. So, so uh, but they don't have back problems. So, when you said you're doing reverse hypers, you said six zero, sixty thousand pounds of volume. Yeah. So, to a lot of people, they're like, that's impossible. So, how... How do you get 60,000 pounds of volume? Like, What are your sets and reps and what weight are you using? 
what did we have on there the other day? Was that 300 on there, 400? Mm. And we were doing sets of 50. 50. So it adds up pretty quickly. So two, a set of 100 reps is 30,000 pounds. So um, when you're doing that high reps, are you going as fast as you can? Are you doing them under control? How how are you no, doing? No, they're them? definitely controlled. It almost feels like not quite a pause at the top, but it's definitely yeah. not con- it's not uncontrolled. You're flexing every time. So it's like you're trying to lock out a deadlift at the top. Right. Yeah, that's what I think about, like flexing my low back, my glutes at the top, and and then you lower it down about two thirds, then relax, let it pull you under the traction out the spine, yeah. reverse it before it goes as far as possible, and. And then have the contention. Yeah, it's all very controlled. Yeah, has to be controlled. I know. I, you know, it's so funny. Everybody, we see them, don't we, Tom? They know West Side. They come here and swing the damn thing. You know when I know people screwing up? Well, my damn machines are all crooked. I could put any weight on any machine, and that machine will not move. Or scout. I'll guarantee you, I can load them much you want. It'll never move. Because I know how to do them. You know, I mean, I should. I've been 900 years. Me and Moses used to do a bunch of them. I kicked Moses' ass. Um... Another thing, too, I think people screw up when they're doing the hyper. They don't flex their stomach. They don't flex their stomach into the pad, and that's why they complain. And I think when you do high reps, you've got no choice. Yeah, you, yeah. Ha- you have yeah. to. Because there's no yeah. way. <laughs> and you got to take the breath on the way down. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it, it, you know, actually, I, I, as Stuart Gill came here, a person like that, uh, uh, you know, very knowledgeable in the lower back, they would realize that's actually a, a perfect action of how you train your, you work your lower back. You flex your stomach, and then the action begins. Um, not to keep jumping, but on the hypers. But so, how do you choose a weight? How does one choose a weight on a reverse hyper? Uh, I suggest you use the weight is fifty percent of your squat. Um, you know, and then it's four times the volume of your squat. And this is just on a standard, not on a bent uh, pendulum, on a standard. Any hyper. of them, but any of them, but a, a bent pendulum. Okay. Uh, you know. Back when I was, uh, actually, I used the same weight when I was 57, and when I was, um, I, I, I didn't have been pinched when I was 57. When I was 63, I used 180. I, I could hold a rep at the top for a split second. 180 for six, and I pulled 715. I mean, I'm sorry, 675, but I weighed two. Uh, I was 63, I pulled 675 at 217. At fairly easy, <laughs> enemy. And that's what, that was, my, my, a normal, easy weight, and on a strap model was 480 for all my reps. I'd start with 480, but on the bent pendulum, you guys know, I you know 50, 75, 100, one and a quarter, 150, and then why I come up to 180 because you know I put a two on to break my all-time record for. But you know if, if you uh, look at the Russians, they suggest you never do less than 10 reps for your lower back. All right, so only on that bent pendulum because to me that thing's more like a lift than it is an exercise. It's so direct on your lower back. That's all other ones we do on high reps. With straps or rollers, is there a preference? Uh, personally, I like for stre- for strength, uh, for squatting and deadlifting to simulate this feel. You tell me if I'm uh, about you when we're different. Um, I like to strap and I like to hold my feet together and my heels uh, squeeze my feet as hard as I can, my legs inwards, and then in your glutes. That's how you do it. I get the greatest. It just feels like squatting. A lot of times we'll take a pad like a pad off a leg curl machine, sticking up people's up in their crotch, and I'll squeeze that together, and it will actually double the action. Yeah, I like so, the strap one. Yeah, so for squatting, if you if you, I want to like simulate my squat and deadlift, and and not have any compression on my spine, I use I use a strap. If I want to directly train my lower back and and, and great, get greater range of motion, I use the bent pendulum. If I got a therapeutic problem, 
I used the, the dual pendulum. Okay. Um, well, let's get on about some more exercises, Travis. Like, what's some of the stuff? Um, what's some of the stuff you do? The bigger exercises that you, know, you do for high reps? Uh, some wheelbarrow shrugs. Do that for high reps. Uh, some of the plyo swing for high rep leg press. Uh, mainly for myself, at least. You can do very. You're talking maybe a hundred reps here. Yeah, I mean ultra right. ultra high to get get the blood flowing. Mm -hmm. um, the inverse curl. And uh, the belt squat again, but a lot of marching. I've done that for a uh, time, time, and a uh, lot of sled pulls, a uh, tremendous amount of sled pulls. So, you know, I've told people over the years I felt that I was my strongest by pulling sleds. I mean, the heavier the sled I could pull, and I for six trips of sixty yards, um, I was absolutely my strongest. I pulled an easy seven seventy-five deadlift with straps. Um, one time I used to use 485 and 375 pound of bent tension for circuit max. And I, I'd had a lot of injury. I had chest tube injuries and all. Or I mean, uh, chest injuries from chest tubes. And I didn't squat for six weeks. And everybody's inside. And um, But I pulled a sled. I did I did do heavy uh, in, uh, um, glute hams and reverse hypers and abs. And I had guys from Pitt University and some Pittsburgh Steelers here. And they said, well, come on in and squat. I, so I go, okay, I guess I got to. I'm pressured into it, you know. So the, there's two super heavies in the gym. One was a thousand quarter, one was nine twenty. And I said, "Well, what are you going to use?" And they go four eighty five and a blue and a green. I'm going, "Holy crap! That's my circumax weights." And I went in and I did five doubles. It was absolutely nothing to it, and I had squatted five weeks, uh, six weeks. And I, so my evaluation of this, I mean, I realized then how important sleds really were. You know, I mean, I lost nothing. You know, how many? There's a big mistake in training. It's a bit off the case. How many guys, and you see it, they think they got to squat heavy and bench heavy and death, or they're going to like somehow manage to forget it. Once you're coordinated, you know how to do something, it's the muscles to do it. All you got to do is train the muscles. Yeah, it's just because they freak out mentally. They, it's Otherwise, mental. you can just get under and do That's it. That's right. They, they, they lack confidence or, you know, they know you don't. You know, if I go get in a fight, I don't want to get three teeth knocked out my nose broke and win. I'd like to kind of win fairly easy. <laughs> if possible, you know, you don't want to go get your ass kicked every time to win. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, it just, it, it goes right back up to optimal training and, you know, a contest max and a training max. You know, I, I learned it's hard not to do in the gym, but you got, you go in and you've got a weight to make. You make that weight and you need to stop. It's your weight and it's not his weight. You break your record. He has to break his. Years ago, because vocal pull could always out deadlift me, you know. Uh, whatever, you know, the amount he could out deadlift me, we do rack pulls or whatever we did. Um, um, if he out deadlift, well, he out deadlift me about 90 pounds. All right, it was his best. He's, you know, a good deadlifter. So my goal was to keep up to him with 90 pounds. If I, if, if I, if he only beat me by 90, we tied. I was good with that. You know, I couldn't beat him. So I'm going to blow my brains out. You know what I mean? And another thing, like Chuck brings up to you guys, I think you've heard him say this. He never could understand, like, um, they do four plates, and then, um, you know, I mean, these are 800 deadlifters, and I was low 700. So they do four plates, five plates, six. I go four plates, four and a half. Then I do five, and they do five, and I go five and a half plates. Then they go six plates. And then I go six plates and six and a half. Then they go seven plates. I go seven plates and seven and a half. He never could understand it. And then he said, I figured, figured it out that I've gained all this extra volume. You know why? I mean, if you just... 
quickly just with my deadlift. I mean, I'm I'm doing a, a, like a four fifty, and a, what would it be a five fifty, and um, you know, a six thirty five, and and uh, even a, a see it be a six. I think a six eighty five. I would do six eighty. So you're you're talking. See, I was picking up two three thousand pounds of volume on top of their volume every time. I mean, if you think if you're behind someone and think you're going to catch them by doing less, you're nuts. And one of my pet peeves in the gym, like if if Travis beats you in the bench, you'll see the guys that stand around not doing nothing. No, and that fat asshole gets on that bench again. Then I'm getting back on the bench. I'm doing my set too. I'm not going to let him. Not only did he beat me, I'm not going to let him do two or three more sets while I sit around. Right. Yeah. So that's a big one of the things I see in Travis. See a lot of things wrong in training. You guys do too. I mean, when people visit us, um, but if a guy cannot bench you and you, so you get stopped, you know, you just if he goes start back over close grip. Do not ever let that guy do another set that you're not doing. Um, while we were here, I was amazed. You know, I know everyone doesn't do Westside training, but I watched two people come here. And I don't know them, so it doesn't matter. And they said they wanted to work up to their opener, which we never do. We take all time records. If I had to worry about my opener, we'd not be going to a meet. We're going. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're going there to break records, and we do it every freaking time. But this is like a mid. His girlfriend is about a three and a half squatter, and he's a five and a half squatter. An hour and a half later, they got there. But on top of that, he missed. He had to take the weight off of him. All right. Then I watched some guys deadlift. Uh, you know, these are strong guys, little guys, 181, 65s, it looked like. They're, they worked up to 605. It took them about an hour and a half. Now, everyone in the freaking gym is, you know, sevens and the eights, right? So the max out, how long does it take? All of you freaking guys, five or six. 25 minutes? 20? Yeah, 25 minutes, half hours. And you're, and you're, most, you're yeah. over 800 and you're done. Yeah. Well, here's a big misconception. We all have different maxes, but we all show the same amount of jumps. You shouldn't have to, so if, if you squat 1,000 pounds, if you squat 400 pounds, statistically speaking, you should have the same fraction of a jump all the way up. So, and that's a, I think that's where people realize, you're not going to say, if, if, I, if my best is 600 and your best is uh, 1,100, we're not going to have the, the same jumps. But, we're sorry, we're going to have the same amount of jumps, but not the same weight. You should be doing the same weight I'm doing. Like you should be able to start 100 pounds, like, to start with what, 260 pounds the bar and go up where I got to start 135. That's exactly where I made 50 pound jumps. Now we got a little guy in the gym. It's a really good venture, but he don't do any work. He's on vacation right now. <laughs> and because he he does the same jumps that you do and he's done like I said he's done. They stand around looking, no 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 no. Yeah. Got to go do a set and he needs to make smaller jumps. That's exactly what Tom said. Well, it's going to increase your volume too, <laughs> right? It's like Exactly, exactly yeah. like I said right here. You know, if um, well, you look at our circuit max, now, you know, it was basically circuit max weights, is, weights are 90 to 97%. So when we take circuit max, when we do our circuit max in the late transformation phase, now, it's a near max. Am I right? You yeah. break a record every time, so it's not, you're not a max. It's a near max. That's what circuit max is, guys. Okay, and I've always told people, you know, if you do it or not, on the way up, once you warm up, a couple doubles, and then three singles. The three singles is what you do in the contest. But a couple doubles and three singles is how many lifts? Seven. At, at, at the weights, at nine, uh, in the 90%, Furlipin recommends four minimal, 
seven maximal and ten uh, and, uh, uh, ten maximal and seven optimal. And we train optimal. But see, a lot of people ask me about this too. They go, well, well do we do seven lifts at 90%? Or said, no. We do one lift over 100% and we go. We leave. Yeah. Because I don't need, I don't want, I don't give a damn if my guy did eight reps with 90%. Can he do 101%? You see it all the time. They can't do it. We break, like Tommy brought up a while ago, that mental. You know, mental. You know, I'll be honest with you, I hated numbers. I hated 700, 705 sounds faster. 500 bench was okay to me. 700 dead? No. I wanted 705. 800 squat? Nope. I wanted 804, 805. I wanted something to crank my brain up. That 800 sounded like, oh, that's a dull number, man. I don't want that damn number. Well, okay? And that's a, that's a good point, too. Again, we just give guidelines because there's some, you're not going to go in there and go, okay, I need seven jumps because sometimes you need a jump that gets your central nervous system activated. It goes, I, I got to get this motherfucker. I got to lift this up. You don't want to be too complacent. But the, and uh, at the start, especially when you're fresh at this, your central nervous system can't handle the big jumps. But That's guys right. like you, because you're, you're professional lifters, you should be able to handle those big jumps to where it just turns you on. And then it comes on to um, Hill's equation of muscle contraction. Because you need big weights to, fucking, to turn on and activate now, what you have. What did Hatfield say? No one can lift a heavyweight slow. Fred was exactly right. That's where you get super strong and, and you actually get super fast. How are we doing? Uh, I want to just, uh, when you touch that, are you going to end the sleds in detail? Oh, we're going to, yeah. Okay. I want to be very precise about sleds. I'm going to see what we need to do yep. and then what you do. Yep. Um, you know, with sleds, we love sleds, right? And I've worked with sprinters, football players, and powerlifters. None of us should ever go more than 60 yards, okay? Uh, all you're doing, because we want to build strength and power. And um, so we do sets with uh, 60, basically 60 yards. I asked the NFL ball players I trained, and, I, and we killed it, you know, in the 40. And they said, that is what they said. But we measured the time of, um, uh, you know, like a 200-meter uh, sprinter. Basically, they could cover 60 yards with a sled in under 20, in 20 seconds or so, the acceleration phase. Um, uh, but now Tommy does long sled stuff and long wheelbarrow. And there's a reason, because we're working on maximal strength, and he's working on um, endurance. endurance. So, Tom, you tell them what you do with sleds because it's interesting to people. And, you know, we we don't even, to work a base, you know, the only people I knew that never did any GPP, do you know who they were that are famous? <laughs> the Bulgarian weightlifting team. They did 18 heavy lifts a day, and they figured they didn't need any GPP. They probably were right, but they had a... But their burnout rate. They had a burnout rate, a tremendous high burnout rate. Now, you know, tell them how much you do with uh, what you're training, uh, you know. Well, the, the, we just... Um... Uh, we, we've got a couple of ball players here and I wanted to record data to show them because they want to be showing a lot of stuff rather than lead. So we just, uh, for example, I monitored sled pulls on one. So we did 10 trips. So in going forward, we did 140,000 pounds of uh, horizontal volume. And everyone com or complains, you don't do single leg work. Well, that's 70,000 pounds we did per leg yeah. going forward. You're like This is huge. And then going backwards, we did 112, and going sideways, at 56,000 pounds. So we did that in week one, and then week two, we did it, uh, went up a little bit. But coming to week three, what happens, because your body's not used to the high volume of sleds, your training goes back a little bit because it has to adapt. And because I could go back and show them the volume, they're like, okay, this makes sense. And then what happened? Because that extra volume, it went up. 
with the fighters, we're going to do, uh, we don't do 60, we do at least 100, so 100-yard trips. If not, we'll do 400-yard trips for uh, uh, maximum strength endurance to go around. But you do them both. Well, you yeah, do them for super-powered and explosive yeah. power, and you do it for strength endurance. endurance. Yeah, we, we uh, again, we rotate it in, rotate it out. Right. You, you can't keep doing so the same thing, it's, and variety, too, is huge. So you wave it in like a three-way pencil exactly. flame. Yeah, and the great thing is, I know before a fight for any of these guys, we, we've got the things in our back pocket that's going to make us carry over the best. That wheelbarrow for distance and that sled for distance. And that's uh, when Miles came up to his fight. It's roughly 800 meters around both buildings. He did that in three minutes flat with 315 in a wheelbarrow. And like we know, if you're beating that time going into a fight, you're muscling, like it's right where you need the endurances. So. Yeah, I've seen a lot of fighters. They had uh, what they say is straight coaches, and they were all they did was mess around with 10 and 20 pound dumbbells. Oh. And, and then I watched them, their heart rate. During the third round was probably 40, but they couldn't hold their arms up. Mm -hmm. They got their ass kicked. They forget about muscular and, and strength endurance. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of strengths. You got to know which one to train and when to train it. That's the good thing about a sled. You do upper body as well as lower body. Enormous amount. Yeah, huge. I used to like because just to get out of the gym where it was quiet. You know, I got, I, I'm a zoner. I can zone and go out and just I I pull sled for freaking ever just because I was in a, I'd gotten to get the zone. You know, I loved it that way. And the more, you know, the more the more it hurts, the better it feels. <laughs> uh, but again, back to that volume, the, that volume you're getting in. You, you've, the, the sled is a, a, hidden, uh, a hidden gem when it comes to increasing your volume per workout. Yeah, you're not kidding. You know, we got a couple weeks ago, we had a kid from Iowa because this is common. So they go in and I ran him through six. Somebody, was you helping me? I mean, six retardedly hard rounds. Then he got in the bell squat. And went five minutes with his buddy, who <laughs> did Greco, and then went five minutes with AJ. I'm, mean, you know, they got. And the, my point is, they have to have that type of work capacity at, at a you know, at a high rate of efficiency. And he did. He asked me, and he asked you. He wanted to come back and and us evaluate. I said, I evaluate you right now. You just got to get stronger. But I saw nothing wrong with that kid. You know. Uh, and again, that's what people forget when you're in any contact sports. You've got your body weight. You got your opponent's body weight, then you got your opponent's strength on top of that. And people forget about that. They do all this body weight stuff for themselves. That means that's good. You can fight yourself. That's about yeah. it. That's right. Not no, gonna be able that to body's fight. pushing down yeah. on you. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's where a lot of people forget. That yeah. That's where that strength comes in. You remember Corella, and I watched Corella and carry trees through snow. And I watched a lot of old judo guys do that up and down mountains. And, um, you know, so this guy, that guy was incredible. I mean, you know, he was, you don't even want to be around the guy. He'd hurt me looking at me. Well, he I, and he wet his uh, clothes like right. in the middle of Siberia, yep. or wherever he's or not Siberia, wherever in Russia, and he just weigh himself down, go through the forest. Right, a couple of heavy sweatshirts, weigh him down, water him down, and take off like that. But uh, sleds came from Finnish lumberjacks, right? Pulling yeah. out uh, logs from the forest on the side of the road. All different, all different manners. Between legs, over the back, forward, backward, anything you could get the damn thing out there with. That's what changed my life. I probably if it hadn't been for sled dragging, I could have never made a return to powerlifting after uh, rupturing my patella in 1991. But I did. You know, I was able to come back because the sled dragging made me strong and monolift. I admit. And uh, but uh, I was able to come back and actually squat 100 more pounds, and I was a top 10 squatter in five weight classes. So. I, the only thing I would say about these workouts, these workouts that we do, are done in a timely manner too. Oh, I mean, thank you. I mean, they're not, we're not just laying about like an hour. It's done in 
15 to 30 minutes. I mean, it, we're, we're actually putting in work. You're talking about the secondary workouts? Yeah. yeah. It should be almost done. I tell people it's almost you know, like bodybuilding, superset it. Yeah, you get it all. all you can do, if you want, condensed. like one of my favorite things was a set of reverse hypers and a set of side bends. Oh, yeah. Back and forth. You want to blow yourself up. That will blow you up. All right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for therapeutic overseas, they actually did reverse hypers and lap pull-downs for, track, for more traction because it was traction at the thoracic and the, and the lumbar. And, but I, I liked heavy side bends and then heavy reverse hypers, but, I mean, it devastated you. Matt Dimmel used to come in years ago. Matt was our first world record holder in the squat and big kid. He kind of made me, me and Gary Sanger, and he says, I want to be the world's strongest man. He weighed 230 pounds. So I told him to do something and get as big as he can. Well, he did both. Um, but Matt, you know, you'd watch his lifts. He'd be going up and all that, and they'd slip. And I said, Matt, you're doing your reverse hypers. And we didn't have a reverse hyper machine. And he goes, yeah, I've been doing it, buddy. I've been doing it. I said, no, you ain't. So we would stay there and what make him, and he'd be curled up in a ball. Call me on the, after he got home on the phone, cussing me out. He literally get called, had to pull off the road and curl up in a ball. He hated me, but I made him a world record holder. <laughs> And it just that's but that's how you got to train, man. You got to work. You know, if Tom, uh, a simple question is to, to build endurance, you have to work through fatigue. Mm-hmm. If you want to get stronger, you have to work through that pain. Guys get a, like a minimal pump and they want to stop. I told you guys a long time ago. You watch the tapes. I was some of them's live. Um, me and Chuck and one other guy at the most was caught every minute fifteen. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm not even got to my first set. I have cramps down my erectors and out in my hips. I mean, I got big time cramps. But I get in that freaking bar, all of a sudden, boom, I, I could go brain dead. And those cramps led me into perfect form because those are the muscles doing the work because that's why they're cramped. That is lactic acid tolerance training. You know, you ha- if you guys could force yourself to do that, your strength will jump right then and there. Because now you've literally trained the correct muscles. The correct muscles are doing the work. You know, I didn't, like, shift into muscles that I don't do the work. I, my brain shifted into the pain. I, I might be a high, between a high-level athlete and a low-level athlete, though. You know, but like you said, like, we watched those people work out in the gym. We were just mystified. How could it take them that long? Yeah, an hour to get to, an hour to, get to your maximum weight. Yeah, when it's 550 pounds. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And plus, when your, your own natural serum testosterone drops after 45 minutes to an hour, you're just fucking pissing in the wind really after an hour. That's right. So You know, I tell people uh, like a lot of times too, the Bulgarians they would they would train and they would take thirty minute rest and then do the second workout that it hardly any warm ups and they could get back to six more big lifts. Think about what you guys do a lot. Um, you uh, at least how we did it, but you, you run you you squat and then you run the monolith. That's how it should be done. Half you guys should squat run, and the other half run the monolith, and then when they're done, you guys run the monolith while they squat. But um, actually do that uh, when you run the monolith for a half hour, then go, you're dead. There's that uh, little bit of rest, and you're right back to pulling your – I, I mean, I never – I always start with 345 advance. I never took a plate or two. I loaded up. And I don't know if you're here, but I could do all my deadlifts and then squat. It had no effect on me at well, all. I was going to bring – because I remember you talking about that. So we had a, we had a large group squatting. We had a five squatting in the, the monolith. And um, they're all MMA guys. So they're squatting. So when they finish squat, they go over and do their set of double deadlifts, and then they come back in. So they're fully recovered. But that was the best. They got through squats and deads in 15 minutes. Yeah. 
and that because they're going twice at the double and then double back and forth. That was one of the best. You can ask AJ. That was one of the best workouts they've gone through. So th they like putting that in now because they're getting conditioned without having to do conditioning. Yeah. See, that's for like for what Tom works with the fires. I wouldn't suggest that for us. No. I yeah. do one or the other. You know. But it just goes to show there's a million ways to manipulate volume that, for for your sport. That's right. Yeah, and and training density mm -hmm. means uh, like we're talking about what we saw at the Arnold. There was no density. They didn't get anything done in an hour, in an hour, hour and a half. They didn't get anything. And no assistance work. You have to live on this assistant work. You know, if you don't know your ABCs, you can't spell or write. <laughs> and ABCs is what we're talking about right here, is our GPP. If you don't, if you don't have the ABCs, you can't get to the, the other letters, whatever they are. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't, didn't get that far. Uh, what is the rule of 60? When it comes to volume. The rule 60, basically, if you pay total attention to what you're doing, the second workout is 60% the volume of the previous workout. So, see, if you, we listen, this is on a barbell. Think of our, you know, I number, I ran off these numbers for how much you, like, you're doing, like, 30,000 pounds on, on speed day. But look at the volume on max every day in, in the barbell. It's real low. See, for us, that's for Olympic weightlifters, and they make small jumps. They might make 10K jumps. What do we make? 90-pound jumps. Yeah. You know, and you know, or more. So um, ours is a lot less. Actually, our rule is about, I did it one time, and it seems to me it's about 30, 30, 35. It's not as very low if mm -hmm. a barbell. But then you got to do all this assistant exercise, all that, you know, the same amount. And listen, don't, don't go in there with a notebook and write down, this is one thing I saw my guys doing, and uh, I like to get you you to push John and Big Josh. I watch them do three sets of extensions. Tom, you've seen the old tapes, right? George Halbert's calling me. I use this, I use seventy pound dumbbells for eight sets of eight every twenty seconds. Never set them down. I set them on my legs. Boom, boom, boom. Set them on my legs. They got three sets of eight. Ain't going to do it. That's that's working out. We have to train. There's a huge difference between working out and train. There's a million people work out, but very few people train. So. Trying to, you know, that's your job is to try to push them up because, you know, they don't listen to me. <laughs> Remember, uh, uh, how many reps did you and Randleman get get into when you're doing this? Yeah, me and Kevin Randleman, when Kevin was the UFC heavyweight champion, I did that. Uh, we tied 107 reps with 75-pound dumbbells on a stability ball in five minutes. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was upset because my shoulder was hurt. He's upset because he didn't beat me. <laughs> and But, I mean, that's, that's work capacity. You see what I'm saying? Go try that sometime. Uh, when you're doing your dumbbell, like when you did a dumbbell workout, it was a dumbbell. I couldn't move, Tom. And I would do push-ups, and I would, I would get off the bar. I mean, get off the bar like, you know, down on my face down and crawl out of there. Every set was like that. Hey, I'm telling you, push-ups made me strong. And again, push-ups made me stronger than a barbell. But I used a lot of weight. Um, I had uh, had my wife weigh 90s. Doug Heath weighed about 120. And they set on my shoulders, right? And we all did this. And then went right on up. And when I was super strong, well, I did 58 reps with a 100-pound plate on my back. All right? And I did five reps with Hoss the Boss, who weighed 330 on my back, <laughs> starting in the bottom. That was a bear right there. And, and you do it with the bar and the bottom. Bar power, and right? starting the bottom. They yeah. settle, and you come out the bottom like that. Um, a lot of things I discovered at Ohio State as a test, they want to test up what a belt really does. So I had to have a wire in my chest and one on my stomach. But at the end of this thing, um, I did 35 reps with 315 in the deadlift. 
All right, but what I found out, you know, I was doing as fast as I could. Touched four every rep, right? Locked every rep out. Uh, I found this in the push-up booth. Uh, if I went at a moderate speed, the most deadlifts I ever got was like 26 with 315. And in the push-ups, I could barely do more than 60 reps with no weight. You're, 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 this, is, this is truly time under tension. Your muscles can only work so long. I've, heard, I've had a million people tell me you don't need speed. They do need speed. The reason you need speed, we used to do doubles to work on form. Now, we all got great form now. But you've only got so long to make a lift. If you don't think so, go time the damn thing. I will guarantee I put a clock on you, and, and you took five weights and you missed. You're going to miss at the same period of time. I guarantee you. Okay? So how, so if that is true, I mean, well, how come, how do you guys, you know, what? Well, you squat, well, we'll just say it's not your max, but you squat 850 easy. How come you couldn't? You, you do 600 easy, 700 easy, 750 easy, 8 easy, 850 fairly easy. How come you couldn't do 9? Because you couldn't do it at the same rate of speed. So anyone that thinks you don't need speed is out of freaking mind. And all the coaches are sitting here listening to this podcast. If their ball team, you know, if they don't have speed, you're sitting on the bench. You ain't playing. Speed, dude, speed kills in a fight. I will take a faster fighter anytime over a stronger fighter. Just as they're mentally strong. You know, I'm, and I'm into strong, but uh, skill, boxing, a skill sport, I'm taking the fast guys. You can't catch up with them. They're a step ahead of you. They'll outwork you. They'll outwork you, man. You, you're going to punch them, but now they ain't there no more. They're over here. I know. I, well, <laughs> I know. And, and Found out the hard way. That's why you want to have a certain amount of strength, a certain <laughs> amount of speed. But when you, when you get that perfect mix... You got a bad dude right there. That's right. It's a web. Yep. I talk about a web in my bench manual, and everything has a web. Like like you, we say it right now. I'm saying your web, part of your lower back web, that portion of the pie is low. You bring it, bring it up. I mean, I have confidence that you're going to break the world record in this squat. I also have confidence we don't bring that lower back up. You know, if we put you in a wheelchair and have to wheel you around, said you wheel me around. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to wheel you to my funeral if you'll go. It's going to be a one car funeral, anyhow, so don't mind. Uh, any more topic here? Well, just we were speaking about it earlier with uh, like that last competition that I had. I only got two squats oh, in. That's right. <clears throat> uh, well, you, know, you just you stopped it too. Stopped it too, yeah. I didn't take a third uh, because. If I could have squeaked it out, it would have affected me greatly or I wouldn't have mm -hmm. gone through the meat. So I had to pass on it when I was strong enough to squat more. So now we've got to push my volume, you know what I mean, in training so that I can handle nine full attempts instead of having to pass on one. You're right. You see, noticeable. so you, you realize your mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, Big John, and I mean, and this is, this is facts. I don't say nothing good or bad. But Big John can be six foot five, 300, 300 pound guy, football player, right? We've taken the squat from, from 940 to 1,025, yep. which is very good. But his deadlift's only going at 5. It's only going from 8, 805 to 810. And really, in my estimation, I thought he'd be pulling, you know, 840. So the same thing, more backward. And we know he don't keep that arch, he gets smashed. He arches, he squats the house, right? Absolutely. Yep. So we got to bring up, John has to bring more backward up. And he realized, he told me, that he told me last week at breakfast, he has to raise his work capacity. Because he's going like, hell, he's a damn football player. Play football. You know, college football. And, you know, so he has to get those pies going. And, and because 
Who said it? You. You said it this morning. How much t- tired your back is by doing the post. Yeah. Oh, that damn wind on your back. You know, uh, it, it, years ago, long before I started this, you put a gun in my head, I would not do a second rep. And we we always start with hundred pound plates, right? But I, I do a rep, and I you I would not could I could not do a second rep. And then you know and, uh, jump you know jump ninety 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 way up to big huge weights, and I could I would not do a second rep. And I can what the hell was real? What's going on up here? Something not right. And now now look how hard it was when you guys went to fives, and then Christian went to sixes. Who's got that nowhere capacity when he came, really? Yeah. And now he's got as high work capacity as even that damn gym. And he's doing, he, he did seven. He'd have made eight. You know, that's the top weight of uh, 850 pounds, but he lost his balance. You know, so he wrapped it. He, he's, and his body has definitely changed. He's definitely a lot denser and gained not very little. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's all I got, really. Yeah, is that pretty good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Lou, Travis, Anthony. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, this is the Westside Barbell Podcast. We'll be back to you again.